you have landed on the one and only podcast where you'll learn about the people and places that inspire life-changing travel. This is Dramatic Travels. Ho, my friend, Aaron Schlein here, and welcome to episode number 13 of the Dramatic Travels podcast. I have a fantastic guest lined up for you on this episode. Reiner Jens from the Family Travel Association is going to be joining me. In fact, Reiner is the president and founder of the Family Travel Association, and we had a wonderful conversation starting with His travels as a child coming to the United States from Germany when he was just seven years old on a boat and seeing the Statue of Liberty for the very first time. Wonderful conversation that led all the way up to present day where he is the president of the Family Travel Association and we get into some of the finer points of the future of family travel. It's really exciting. There's so much coming up in the family travel world. Can't wait to share that with you. My conversation with Reiner did run a little over an hour, so I am going to split this episode into two parts, just like I did last week. Part one's coming at you right now, and part two is going to go live bright and early tomorrow morning, if you're listening to this the day it goes live. If not, part two is available right now. Go ahead and enjoy it at your leisure. My friend, before we get started, I want to take a moment to tell you about the Dramatic Travels Family Facebook group. Uh, The Dramatic Travels Family Facebook group is a supportive family travel community that serves my mission of connecting family travelers with experiences, resources, and community support to help you on your journey. I'd love to have you on board. It's totally free. Just head to DramaticTravels.com right there at the top of the homepage. Bright yellow banner is a link that'll take you straight to that Dramatic Travels travels family facebook group all right my friend off we go here's my chat with reiner jens from the family travel association enjoy Dramatic Travels family i am thrilled to introduce you to today's featured guest reiner jens reiner are you ready to share your dramatic travels i absolutely am sweet let's do it All right. Reiner is a former 13-year veteran and vice president at the National Geographic Society and is now the president and founder of the Family Travel Association. Reiner, my friend, that is your official bio. Take a minute, expand on your personal and business life, and just tell us about your world. Uh, Well, honestly, my personal and business lives... uh kind of uh, merged about 10 years ago uh, when, or right after my wife and I decided to uh, leave our jobs, our highly paid, successful corporate lives. And uh, we took a a year off to travel around the world as many aspire or wish to do someday, but we actually put it into action. Uh, In our case, we did it with uh, our two young boys who were at the time eight and 11, which uh, if you're going to spend a year with your kids, you don't even really have to travel anywhere. That's an adventure in and of itself. But the fact that we did so, um, you know, hitting 28 different countries made it that much more, uh, you know, intense and interesting. But in any event, uh, through that personal uh, quest and, and ambition, it led into a whole new uh, opportunity for me professionally, uh, which 
was to ultimately launch the Family Travel Association. So, you know, in my case, it was really merging my passion and interest for for traveling, um, being a father, being a dad, and that uh, converged with uh, my career in publishing, business development, uh, and and with that as a combination, uh, we launched the Family Travel Association. So it is possible to to marry your personal and professional lives and and have them coexist in a way that's uh, exciting and 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 a, and a way to make a living. Well, I love that insight that you know, that spot where passion and expertise cross, and then you add you throw in just the demand for that passion and expertise, and obviously travel and family travel is just a huge, huge industry, and the demand is so great that you were able to just take that knowledge, that expertise, and that passion, and just put it into put it into action in such a real way. Yeah, and it's not easy to do. Uh, you know, I've met a lot of people who are very uh, personally passionate uh, and, and interested in travel. They have that wanderlust like so many of us do, and they just kind of start hitting the road to see how they could make a living doing it. And it's not easy. Uh, so besides being resourceful, uh, you know, it, it obviously helps to have business acumen in some way that, you know, you'd be able to kind of figure out how things can work uh, professionally and sustainably. Uh, but also, really, it's about networking uh, and, and getting yourself out there, meeting people, uh, having conversations, getting um, information, and then putting those connections together uh, to make something work. Uh, again, it, it, it's not easy. It takes a little time and effort and dedication and, and commitment. You know, these things don't always come overnight. But uh, again, with that with that combination and, and perhaps a little bit of uh, fortune, good fortune and, and luck, uh, you, you can get there. Yeah, you know, this isn't necessarily a networking show, but I'd love to hear just one golden piece of advice for people who may be struggling with that network piece because obviously you've learned a thing or two over the years. I'd love to hear your take. Yeah, look, I, I, it doesn't really matter what profession you're in. I mean, I know professional photographers. You could be the best uh, photographer in the world. You can be a terrific artist, musician, doesn't matter what it is, uh, or, or accountant. If you don't let people know about it and, and get yourself out there, uh, I mean, look, and it's, and it's easier now. You've got social media, you know, you've got LinkedIn, you've got all kinds of resources at your disposal. Uh, but you have to figure out a way to market yourself just just a little bit and to use social media resources, like I said, and, and go to events, go to meetups. Um, and look, if it's part of your passion, it should be should be a lot of fun. Um, but you have to put yourself out there. You can't just, you know, kind of rest on your laurels, given your gifts and talents and think that that's going to get you, uh, to, to, you know, where you ultimately want to be. Yeah. Working in that, working in the vacuum or never getting out of the, the bat cave, as I call it, that it never gets you anywhere. Yeah. I love, I love that. I love that aspect of it. Um, so we're going to talk about all sorts of stuff with family travel, uh, association and, uh, there's a lot of exciting stuff you have for the future, but First, let's get to know to know you, Reiner. I'd love for you to take us back to your earliest travel memory and really take us there and engage those emotions. Uh, well, I uh, moved to the U.S. when I was in first grade. I had just turned or was turning seven, uh, but prior to that, I lived uh, and was born in Germany. Uh, lived there for five years total. Um, also lived in Brazil for two years. So I had. A little bit of that travel, I guess, in me at, at a very young age. Uh, the first real kind of 
vacation travel, if you will, uh, with my parents. We're on, on cruise ships. We cruised around uh, South America a little bit. I remember on Italian line, interestingly enough, but you know, we, we circumnavigated South America. Uh, and interestingly, when I, and really, I, I think really my most profound early memory of traveling was going on an ocean liner. You know, back then it was more ocean liners and cruise ships, but we, uh, we sailed to America when I, when I was seven years, six years old uh, on the Italian line, the Michelangelo, beautiful ship. Um, and we pulled into New York Harbor. I saw the Statue of Liberty with my mom who was crying and you know, this kind of profound moment of coming to America. And no, it wasn't Ellis Island, but, you know, it was 1970. So, uh, but really, you know, I mentioned cruises because for a lot of children, uh, travel and travel experiences can and do start there. Uh, and, you know, they are certainly now more than ever, you know, really geared towards kids to be fun. And, you know, they got water slides. Heck, there's even a ship now that has a racetrack on it. But, um, you know, the one thing about being on a ship, actually, for kids, it, it, it gives them the opportunity to actually become a little bit independent for the first time. You know, their, their parents kind of leave them alone to wander the ship and meet other kids. And, and that's, uh, that, that's a, you know, a, a, a profound and, and, and important moment in a child's life to have a little bit of that independence while you're on vacation. So anyway, but for me, uh, you know, interestingly, I met a good friend of mine. Uh, well, he turned out to be a lifelong friend. But when I was 13 years old, I met him on a cruise ship. And uh, I remember him calling me when I was 23 years old looking to get out of banking. And he said, hey, Reiner, I'm going to be working on a cruise ship, QE2. Um, do you want to join me? I want to be a deckhand. And I was like, really? <laughs> and I almost did it. I might continue the story a little later, but uh, because I wanted to get, I wanted to get into the travel industry. You know, I was starting to kind of network, as I said earlier, and then learn about different jobs in the uh, in the travel industry. And when someone called and said, "Hey, do you want to be a deckhand on the QE2 for an around the world 80 day trip?" I almost jumped on it. But uh, but it, you know, with cruising, I got a, a good sense of. Uh, you know, the Caribbean and the world, and, and that, I think, just started to feed the, the wanderlust. And, um, you know, now, uh, you know, now that I'm in my early 50s, I've been to almost 60 countries and so forth. So, but I think it really started there, um, you know, again, on those ships when I was when I was quite young. Totally agree with you, that whole, um, that independence piece, because that's, the, those were my earliest travel memories actually started uh, really spun around independence. It was being in London. I was a little older. I was 12 years old, but I remember after just a few days being able to, I knew the whole, the whole underground system. I could get all over town and I knew which stops to transfer at. And I remember coming home just being, wow, I'm 12 years old. I was in this major city on the other side of the world and I could get around all by myself. That independence uh, was really powerful and it stuck with me into my entire life and really kicked off a lifetime of travel. Aaron, that's a good point, and, and I want to actually expand on that just a little bit. Uh, a lot of people think, and particularly parents, that uh, you know, travel is educational, um, and when you t- use that term specifically, I think too often it gets associated with kind of academic education, meaning like, okay, does that mean we need to go to museums or you know, we need to go somewhere that's culturally enriching? And I, I would certainly uh, be a proponent of that, uh, absolutely, but you know, travel, I, I always like to say that travel should with children not just be recreational, but transformational. Um, so it's not just a cultural experience or something that enriches a child's, you know, what they're learning in the classroom. But look, you know, self-confidence is developed. New life skills, you know, happen when you travel. I, I mentioned my friend Sal, who I met when I was 13 on a ship. You know, lifelong friends are formed sometimes when you travel. And, and 
So it, it, it goes well beyond just, um, you know, kind of academic enrichment. It, it's really personal um, exploration as well as global exploration, really. And I think, you know, for a child, it's, it's even that much more profound. And look, I, I will tell you, you know, I referenced my trip around the world, and I, I, I assume we'll be talking a little bit more about that later. Uh, but one thing I noticed with my children, it, it gave them the opportunity to kind of explore their interests in a way that they don't do in school. Uh, so in other words, when you're studying, you know, math and English and, um, social sciences and everything else that you're learning in grade school and in high school, you know, there are parameters around what you learn and and the interests that you can explore. But, you know, when you're traveling, all of a sudden, all these new subjects and opportunities are thrown at you and they're new and they're exciting. And, And I noticed my son really gravitated towards architecture and he loved planes and you know, that, that, that side of travel now, you know, he's off in college studying aeronautical engineering and the modern architecture. And that came from his exposure to it, you know, during our travels. There's no question that that, that, uh, you know, that, that side of him was, was, um, was born really through, through that, through those experiences. Yeah. Um, I'm with you a hundred percent. I feel like we're, a bit of kindred spirits and just the way you were talking that those words could have just as easily flown out of my mouth. It made me think I wrote an article uh, for dramatictravels.com about the benefits of travel, about the transformational changes that occurred in me over the years because of travel. And it just, I just realized that not a single one of them had anything to do with actual textbook education. That stuff sort of happens too, but those weren't the things I took. Those weren't the takeaways for me. It was the things like the personal connections and the independence and the patience and the empathy and just the way that, that travel makes me feel as opposed to the travel way that, or the things that travel teaches me, the things mm-hmm. that you can learn in a book. And that's, that's just so perfectly said. And I think it's so important the work that you're doing with Family Travel Association to, to spread that message. I pulled some quotes off your off the website, and I feel like I could have written half of them at least because it's just <laughs> I'm just so locked into this message, and that's what this podcast is all about. It's spreading the message of inspiring travelers like yourself and empowering parents to to take that step with their kids and overcome those fears and break down those those uh, those barriers. So awesome, awesome stuff, man. Hey, if you want one more good quote, uh, I always want a good quote. It's not my original, but I'll, I'll give it to you. It's from a good friend, Keith Bellows. He was the editor-in-chief of National Geographic Traveler, wonderful friend and, and, and terrific industry icon, really. You know, he said learning happens not just between the ears, but between the poles. And I love that. You know, that's, uh, that, that's true for kids and adults of all ages. But, uh, you know, that, that there's, I think, nothing truer than that one. More inspiration for my future trip to Antarctica, which someday I will take. <laughs> Get closer to one of those poles. There you go. Good man. Sweet man. Well, so we talked about people and, and, and relationships and, and the relationships that form out of travel. Can you tell me about a person in your life who you would describe as an inspiration for your travels? Uh, well, uh, it might, this, this seems very cliche, but you know, certainly my parents. And I like to joke that, uh, my uh, my wanderlust came from my German genetics and genes because uh, I, I think it's required for for Germans to travel. I think it's part of a national obligation. <laughs> uh, we've all we, we've all been all over the world and seen Germans no matter where we are, right? So okay. they, they get around. Uh, and certainly they um, you know help fuel and again kind of grow that wanderlust that I had. Um, but you know, look, I just mentioned his name, Keith Bellows. 
Um, you know, he, he was someone who I met during my, as you mentioned earlier, 13 years at National Geographic. He was the editor-in-chief of National Geographic Traveler magazine. And um, when I gave my, uh, my notice, when I informed the society that I was going to take this break and leave for a year and travel with the kids, he came into my office just with wide eyes and his arm outstretched. And he said, give me a big high five, my friend. He goes, that is awesome. You know, he was so pumped up. And then he said to me, he goes, look, I need you to do me a favor. Um, I would be thrilled if you would blog for me and blog for National Geographic's new intelligent travel blog, which was about to launch. And I, quite frankly, I didn't even really know what a blog was. You know, I, I knew it was like online journalism and writing. But, you know, and then I was a little intimidated. I said, wait a minute, Keith, you want me to write for National Geographic? You know, <laughs> I'm on the business side of things. I'm not sure if I'm you know, up to your standards. I'm not Bill Bryson or Paul Thoreau, you know. But uh, anyway, he said, no, 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 blog is something that, you know, you can certainly get your hands around it. Anyway, I, I mentioned this because I took him up on his offer and ended up uh, not just writing about my travels uh, for National Geographic's Intelligent Travel, but ended up writing for several different travel outlets and, and had stories in major national newspapers, USA Today, um, Christian Science Monitor, Chicago Tribune. You know, so suddenly uh, there was a lot of interest in what I had to say. Uh, so... He was, you know, Keith was an inspiration in terms of, uh, and, he, and he wrote a great book, um, The Hundred Places That Can Change Your Child's Life, which uh, it was kind of my Bible when we were uh, thinking about our trip. Uh, so he gets it, you know, but he also was incredibly important in helping me with this career path that I didn't even know I was going down. How would you describe the major struggles or the major obstacles to parents getting it. Cause, cause that's one of the, the things I'm really working hard here towards. And I want to get inside as many, you know, get inside the, the head of the average parent or the parent who's struggling, who's facing those obstacles. Great question. I'm glad you asked because uh, I, I do have a, a strong opinion on this one. Look, this is a generalization and there are certainly lots of exceptions. And I'm assuming to a large degree, your, your audience is that exception. Uh, but look, a lot of parents really, one, underestimate what their kids will like and enjoy. Look, one reason Disney's really popular is because parents think, hey, you know what? Little Sonny, Johnny or Susie, they're gonna, it's Disney. They're going to love it. They're going to be happy. You know, they, they look at vacation, again, as being kind of that recreational time, you know, make the kids happy, put smiles on their faces. And, and Disney's, you know, pretty good at that. So taking nothing away from Disney. Um, but too many parents don't go beyond just trying to make their kids happy. You know, they kids will eat sushi in Japan. If you get that opportunity, you know, bring them on a safari. Don't wait until they're out of school and in college. And when you're an empty nester to, to get over to Africa, take the kids because they would be, you know, they, they, they jump all over it. So parents don't really have a, I get, I think a breadth of understanding of what their kids will enjoy and be engaged with and, and, and appreciate and maybe even be inspired by and, and, you know, learn from. Uh, so that is, is, is a big issue. And, you know, a lot of, in a lot of cases, parents don't really ask their kids. They don't get involved in the, in the planning. They, they put together the vacation and kind of bring their kids along, you know, get them interested, get them involved, have them participate. Um, you know, that, that to me is the biggest thing. And then compounding that problem that I just mentioned is the fact that a lot of parents just don't know what's out there. 
you know, besides Disney and, and carnival cruises and, and beaches, resorts and things like that, uh, you know, the breadth and, and the um, opportunities that are accessible to parents and to families goes well beyond anything that, that most parents know. And that's really the main reason why we launched the FTA, the Family Travel Association, was to help families discover really what all these possibilities are. Well, I think that's great because you have that vision and you have that understanding of how important travel is. And then you're, you're bridging that gap. You're helping bring down, bring down those walls. And I think that is just wonderful, wonderful work. And it's right in line here with, with, uh, with the dramatic travels mission as well. And not underestimating your kids. That was awesome. Cause that's, that's something I tell people all the time and I'm guilty of it even at times, you know, and I think when I really, really reflect on reasons why I don't want to do things with my kids, what I always seem to circle back to is that the problem is lies with me that I don't want to deal with, you know, potential adversity and it's easier just to go and just write a big check and go do a week at Disney. And then I have to, I have to really rein that in and realize it's the kids aren't the problem. The kids are can adapt to just about anything you throw at them. So what I try to encourage parents is, you know, turn that mirror or, you know, look in that mirror and, uh, and think about what, what obstacles might be lying within you, those limiting beliefs and overcome those obstacles and get that confidence and get your kids out there. Cause it's absolutely critical. Yeah. Well, well said. And, and about that information uh, that I referenced also, or lack thereof to one more quick uh, kind of mentor, if you will, or influence uh, on, on my travels. And, and again, this is for that intersection of professional and personal, you know, my wife and I were, are, we were certified to, to scuba dive before our honeymoon. So uh, we've been at it for quite some time. We went diving pretty regularly before we had kids. And then suddenly Tyler and Stefan are born and, and it, it kind of ground to a halt because uh, going on a, on a liverboard, never mind just a, a day dive trip, you know, isn't something you typically do when you have young kids. Um, but I met a woman named Margot Payton who runs a company called Kids Sea Camp, which is tremendous. So for anyone out there who is a diver or wants to be a diver and has children who might be interested, uh, Kids Sea Camp, uh, they take kids and families all over the world diving. But anyway, my point is that when I first met Margot Payton, you know, she asked me if my kids were certified to dive. And I, and I, I said to her, no, you know, they're, they're too young. They're only 10 and 13. And she looked at me and she said, they're, they're old enough. And I was like, no, they're not. Like, you, can't, you can't put a tank on a 10-year-old, get them in the water. She goes, yes, you can. And so anyway, I was, I was humbled to learn that, yes, in fact, Patty uh, offers a junior open water certification for 10-year-olds. Uh, I immediately, uh, you know, got the kids uh, as part of their you know, kind of summer break, uh, got them into a program, got them certified, and, and away we went. And we've been diving together ever since. Um, and so, again, it's that 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 awareness of, of what's even possible. And this is coming from someone who had traveled around the world with their kids or was a certified diver, and yet I had no idea that, that was even a possibility. And that's so cool. And what was that like? What were those? What was that the class like in those first few dives with your kids? You know, you know pretty quickly, uh, even for an adult, you know, when you get in the pool, if you're comfortable sitting uh, at the bottom of a 12-foot you know, <laughs> swimming pool, you'll be okay. Uh, you know, look, we're, we're really spoiled because our first dives were uh, in Palau, of all places. And uh, for their first dive, uh, one that we actually didn't participate in, we, we did you know, eventually during that week, but uh, they saw you know, turtles and sharks and uh, I think even some manta rays by the by the end of the week, but you know that's that's pretty good stuff for any diver. Never mind a uh, a newly certified eleven and thirteen year old. Yeah, so set, uh, set that bar pretty high. 
hey, we're, we're at it almost every year. We, we go on a trip and uh, we hope to continue that for, for time to come. But yeah, it's, it's look like any, like so much of family travel, it's that, that bonding time, you know, it's uh, togetherness with the kids, but as many other tour operators will offer, you know, when you're with other families, you can get adult time and, you know, hang out with people that are usually, you know, pretty cool, pretty like-minded. So you're going to find some people you get along with and the kids are meeting other children their age and they're having a great time. So, uh, you know, you've got a lot of together time, but you also have an opportunity to, 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 to do a little adult, uh, adult time and let the kids, uh, you know, meet new friends. So it works real well. Yeah. That's another huge part is, is meeting other people and especially meeting other kids. When you, when you travel overseas in particular and seeing kids your age in other countries, just going about their lives, going to school, going to the market with their parents and you, it's, it's just so cool to interact with them. And then also to see that they're, they're, they're just like us and they, they live on the other side of the world. And it's, the, and you, man, you can form these really strong, really fast friendships. And you mentioned cruises earlier. That's a place where, you know, you spend a week with, or two or two weeks, whatever, with these same people day after day after day, you feel like you're lifelong friends after just a few short days. And it's, it's so memorable. The bonds are so real. Absolutely. Yep. And they don't have to be big cruise ships either. You know, one thing about uh, the cruise industry, uh, in fact, for, for our family, uh, you know, we enjoy the expedition ships, the smaller ones. I mean, uh, a great example is Alaska. Uh, yeah, you, you'll get the big ocean liners that are going up there now. In fact, there's you know a little bit of rumbling about, you know, these big ships going to, you know, kind of tarnish the pristine environments uh, of Alaska. Um, you know, they're, they're going to great lengths to not do that, but if you want to get off of those kind of four or 5,000 passenger behemoths, uh, there are some great opportunities with companies like Limblad, uh, Alaskan dream cruises, uh, uncruises. These are like 100 at most 200 passenger catamarans in some cases where you really get close to the shoreline and can watch the bears and follow whales as they're going through the bay and, you know, get really close to the glaciers. So cruising doesn't have to be, you know, big buffet lines and, uh, casinos uh, at sea, you know, they could really be um, immersive experiences uh, with a much more intimate group uh, on these smaller ships. And you're going to see a lot more of them um, you know, in the not too distant future. So the cruise lines are really jumping on this. And that, that's a really terrific alternative for, for those that would rather not spend their, their holiday with, again, uh, thousands of other people. My friends, Reiner is the president of the Family Travel Association for a reason. Just listen to all, just one after another, rattling off all those awesome, amazing, unbelievable opportunities for family travel around the world. And that's just in this, just a few minutes during this interview. Gosh, they're just, it's incredible what's out there. And I love that you're bringing, you're really bringing this in, bringing this home and opening up our eyes to what is available, what's out there, places to take our kids. It's so cool. Yeah, just this week, a uh, company from Iceland uh, contacted me. Hey, we're, we're taking people to, to really go deeper and inside, uh, you know, the off-the-beaten-path places in, in Iceland. And more and more families are interested. We love to spread the word, you know. So Iceland, you know, Africa, I mentioned there. Uh, you know, Costa Rica has several, you know, terrific operators. And, and one thing about Costa Rica and, and children, uh, look, I, if I learned anything – at National Geographic while I was publisher of their kids magazine is that kids love animals. <laughs> that's a, that's kind of a given. Um, but boy, that's why Costa Rica is, is such a hit because you've got monkeys and 
you know, you've got, uh, I mean, at certain times of year, you, again, you've got the whales offshore. Um, you know, you've got some incredible, you know, tree frogs, nightlife, um, sloths, you know, all of these, you know, terrific things that boys and girls have a, you know, terrific time exploring. They've got these caimans and, you know, swimming through these uh, tributaries, uh, near Tortuguera. I mean, you know, again, kids just kind of eat that up. Uh, so Costa Rica is a terrific destination and, and very accessible, very affordable. I mean, I can go on and on, but, uh, you know, the, these things are all out there. Um, and, and we're trying to help families discover them. Sweet. Let's, let's get back to the family travel association in just a minute. I have a question that I'd love to ask well-traveled folks such as yourself, and it has to do with fear. It has to do with overcoming, uh, adversity. Can you tell me about a low moment from your travels anytime during your life? And so something that rocked you and what you learned from it. Well, you know, the, I mentioned before about, uh, you know, the discovering things about yourself while you're traveling, um, that are sometimes as profound as the places that you're visiting. Uh, so, you know, I, I will say that, that one thing that was very tough and that can get challenging uh, and, and I learned this, you know, obviously, as part of our around-the-world trip, is uh, this idea of being a tourist. And, uh, you know, it wasn't one profound, fearful, scary moment, but I, I want to share this because when you, when you do travel, and, and there's a desire now for people to really get local and immerse themselves in authentic, authenticity, excuse me, um, and, uh, you know, have those kind of different experiences – it is very hard to escape being a tourist uh, when you're in Africa and you're white and you've got two small children. Same is true in Asia um, and, and many other parts of the world. And, you know, you are not, no, no matter how local sometimes you try to get or, you know, don't put on the fanny packs or don't make it obvious that you're, you know, a tourist. Uh, it, that's tough. And that, uh, you know, that, that became, again, it's nothing that you fear, uh, but what happens is, you know, they're, they're, they're after you to sell you something, you know, they'll, they'll treat you like a tourist and I can get very frustrating and look, and sometimes tourists are targets, you know? Um, and, and so you do have to be a little bit more careful. So this idea of, you know, being in, in foreign places and, and not being local and, uh, no matter how hard you try not, you know, to, to fit in or blend or, hang out with the locals, it could be, it could be really difficult and challenging, um, particularly when you're doing it over a long, long period of time. Um, and it, uh, it, it sucked. <laughs> you know? So, uh, and, and I, I never quite cracked the nut on how to overcome that, you know, again, particularly in places like Africa, but that's when it's all about networking and get, getting yourself comfortable with people and starting up those conversations and at least, you know, engaging with them. Cause if you don't engage with them, then they're going to really treat you like a tourist and, and, and know that, you know, you're, you're not one of them. So, uh, anyway, it, it, I don't know if that answered, uh, the question head on, but it was clearly an observation I've made over several years of, of being on the road. Well, yeah, it's an, it's an interesting, I never really thought about that quite honestly is, but it's certainly something that could, could can put real fear into, into the minds of potential travelers, but to know that there's certain fears or there's certain outcomes that are just going to happen, but just to be prepared for them, you can mitigate for them to some degree, but you also know that you're going to, you're going to take home that experience and it's all part of the, it's all part of the package. It's all part of the the deal. Not every day 
of your travels is going to be perfect. There's going to be bumps in the road. There's going to be potentially scary moments, adverse moments, but it's all part of the package. And that's, that's really what the, the message and the takeaway is to just try to eliminate that fear and look at it more as an experience and a learning opportunity. Yeah. And, and, and thanks, Aaron. And, and really also it, it's about that, you know, as you travel, accidents can happen just as they could when you're home, <laughs> you know, uh, over the course of a year, you know, we, we didn't really experience anything that was maybe any different than we would have had. You know, we, we got sick a couple of times and, you know, uh, lost something here or there, things broke or, you know, things went wrong, but they do no matter where you are. And that includes being home. So that, that's an excellent point. Don't think that all of a sudden, because you're going to be traveling and elsewhere and in the unfamiliar that you're going to be more susceptible to risks. I, I mean, I think you are, if you're not prepared for certain things. Um, but, uh, Again, that that idea of being a tourist uh, and what could come with that, and as you say, mitigating uh, some of those things. You know, Egypt is a good example uh, that you know, and they've they've hit a a rough spot when it comes to tourists. They have fewer of them because of just you know unrest in the Middle East and what's happened there. But you know, you get bombarded by um, by people there, and in certain other countries, even you know, women sometimes can feel very uncomfortable in certain places. So, yeah, getting that. Trying to get that tourist label off your, off your forehead can be a, a challenge. Well, that tourist label become it. It may not go completely away, but it does fade over time as you gain experience and knowledge, and you know, you'll, you'll, you leave the fanny pack at home. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and the camera around your neck, and yeah, those types of things. Yeah, I uh, my worst travel moment. I, I was pickpocketed in Athens. And I had my money not in a fanny pack, in a money belt, but it still it still feels violating, even though and. Oddly enough, we we're talking about scuba diving. The only, the most, the only thing I lost that was really a big pain in the butt to replace was my was my diving card was in my wallet that got lifted. But uh, all my money was in my money belt, and I lived to tell the tale. And it's just part of my story. And just you live and learn and move on. Exactly. And I considered myself fairly. I was a fairly seasoned traveler at that point, and they still got me. I dropped my guard for just a second on a public bus and. They got my wallet and I live to tell the tale. Yeah, again, that's that, that tourist label that uh, can be tough to shake. My friend, that's going to do it for part one of this episode 13 of the Dramatic Travels podcast. Back in episode two of the podcast, my guest was Nicole Melancon. And just this past week, Nicole wrote an article about Flight. Flight has been our nonprofit partner since day one of the podcast. And she wrote a wonderful, wonderful article about Flight and all the great work they're doing. Check out Nicole's article at thirdimom.com. That's thirdimom.com. And we're going to see you again real soon for part two of episode 13 of the Dramatic Travels podcast. See you there. Bye.